random art tips and rambles with Rafi. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi. And Glee. And today we're going to talk about the 10 tips to marketing. Yeah, 10 tips for marketing yourself like a rogue. This month and next month, I am finishing up the book, The Rogue Artist Guide to Rogue Marketing. So my mind is completely and utterly inundated by marketing techniques and really looking back at how it is that we were able to turn on our career into something that actually paid money. Yeah. Considering that neither one of us knew anything about marketing, because marketing was such a terrifying thing in the beginning when we'd read marketing articles and things like that, it just seems so difficult that I wanted to put a book together on marketing that was not not as complicated. Yeah, and didn't make you feel like, ah, crap. <laughs> because in the beginning, not only did we not know anything about marketing, um, I was painfully shy, super awkward. I would say that you were kind of shy and awkward too. I had a really hard time with the concept of marketing because marketing to me uh, was like the sleazy car salesman. Totally. The very mention of the word kind of made me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, like marketing was supposed to be this way that you were supposed to trick people into buying the stuff that you have. <laughs> and, and you know, and it was very competitive and stuff like that. And it's funny because even now in doing some little research, because I want to I wanna offset traditional marketing with the way that we've marketed ourselves, because... I need to be able to pinpoint how it is that we actually marketed ourselves because it wasn't really marketing. It was just us going out there and doing stuff yeah, and uh, trying to quantify that and make that something that other people could look at and say like, oh, that's fun. Let's do that. Or they could take it and adapt it to their own whatever works for them. The thing is that with a lot of the research that I'm doing on traditional marketing, marketing is a very competitive thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about product and who's first and who's in charge in the marketplace and who's the one that's making waves and who's coming up on the fast track and all that stuff. Yeah. And really, it just does not fit into what we do as artists. It just does not fit into that. No. And if you think that you need to fit into it, it can really be like a stressful situation. Oh, I mean, when you hear words like, oh, she's a closer, or he's a closer, like they're good at closing. And I think to myself, like, I don't know, I'm not a closer. And what does that even mean? <laughs> How do you close the sale? What are you supposed to do? You make it enticing for the customer? You know, they're, they're buying this thing. They're picking this thing over this other thing. Like, it's so uh, charlatan. A lot of the tactics and a lot of the stuff, even like hawking and things like that, like Ugh. it's so like kind of gross to me, actually. Yeah. Like it, because you're not you're not going out there and you're not being genuine, and your modus behind why it is that you're doing these things is not because you genuinely want to do these things. You're doing it because you are marketing yourself and you are putting yourself out there in this way. Right. And that was like, you know, a thing from the 1950s, you yeah. know, like, tell everyone about this thing. <laughs> but I think the truth is that if people don't want what you're offering, there's no amount of getting it in front of them that's going to make any difference. And if people want what you're offering, then one way or another, they're probably going to find you if you're putting it out there. Yeah, because even if they buy it, then they're going to have buyer's remorse. Absolutely. That's what happens. Like they go through, they get really, really sucked in by the marketing and by the verbiage and all that stuff. And then they buy it and they're like, oh, I didn't want this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last thing you want is uh, your collector base to have buyer's remorse. Yeah, especially because in marketing, as an artist, part of your marketing is having artwork up in somebody's wall and them being excited about it and talking about that artwork to everybody that comes over. It's like you're marketing without having to do any marketing mm -hmm. every time that you sell a piece. So, like, that was the thing. It was trying to find a way to do marketing that was not marketing, right? Like taking the word marketing out of it and making it more of like an innovative, creative thing. Because mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest problems is that artists struggle with this because a lot of artists want to go out there and they want to show their work and they want to be genuine. And really, they don't want to go through the rigmarole of trying to market this or trying to market that. And I'm not saying that a lot, you know, a lot of traditional marketing, obviously, that works. A lot of digital marketing works, uh, Facebook ads, all that stuff. But those are a dime a dozen. There are all these artist courses out there 
that are teaching you how to do Facebook ads, how to niche your market, find your niche market, how to do these things. And like, that's cool. All that stuff works. But the more I look into these programs, the more they are really taking the marketing handbook 101 from like big corporations and trying to apply it to something that is as subjective as art and something that has such a deep meaning as art and the artist putting themselves out there. It's not the same thing as being in a competitive market where you're purchasing one shampoo or the other. Right. It's not, and it's not the same market in so much as you could try a new shampoo every month, but chances are you're not going to recycle the artwork in your house or on your body in the same way. Yeah, exactly. Just from my notes and stuff like that, I wrote down 10 10 tips, 10 overall tips as far as like marketing yourself and the way that we marketed ourselves. Yeah, so let's get into them. Let's do it. Tip number one is create art. First and foremost, you are an artist. Yes. So that is one of the biggest things for me is like, if you are an artist and you are going to put yourself out there as an artist, because that's the thing, like all my verbiage and every time that I've talked about marketing, I don't call it marketing. I just call it put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. You are just putting yourself out. That's all marketing is, is letting the world know that you exist. That That's pretty much it. That's essentially all I was doing, all we were doing, doing markets and shows. There was never a guarantee that we were going to sell a lick of artwork, but we were letting the world know, hey, we're here and we do this thing and we're really excited about it. Marketing is just however it is that you interact with other people. So to me, marketing is more about relationship forming and the ability to meet new people. So every time we did a market, which is one of the things that is discouraging about a lot of artists that contact us because they'll go and they'll do a market or they'll do a show and maybe they didn't sell as much Mm -hmm. as they want to sell and they'll come back to us and they're like totally discouraged and stuff. And to me, I'm like, the show isn't for you to sell stuff. Yes, you want to sell stuff when you're there, but if you don't sell stuff, it's about forming relationships. Absolutely. And this is actually tip number two, which is put your art out there in as many places as you can within reason. There was this running joke every time we did a show, of course, that like today is the day that we're going to sell out. Like all the art's going to be gone at the end of the evening. Right. We never expected to be selling out our artwork hand over fist at any show. No, in fact, one of the sayings that we had was it only takes one. Mm-hmm. And it and it wasn't it only takes one to buy all the artwork. You know, it only takes one to for us to meet them and for them to make a difference in our art career. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how it was. We met so many people that when they met us at a market or something like that, the first time they met us, maybe they didn't buy anything. They liked the jewelry. They liked the artwork. Maybe they met us a third time, a fourth time. Eventually, they became loyal collectors. We've had people that have been following us since the early flea market days. Yep. Absolutely. That they've just been following our career and watching us grow as artists, keeping an eye on what it is that we're doing. And there's always the potential of someone like that who is following you to buy more art. Yeah, that they they make a difference, as you say, in your art career. You make a difference in their lives as far as their art collecting goes. One of my collectors that's literally been following me since the flea market days, uh, they weren't even really that into art when it all got started. Right. It's just that a relationship developed over time. They now own one of the biggest Rafi and Klee collections out there. Uh, they've really been awesome. And, and there's so many stories like that. That's one of the other things that's interesting to me because there's a lot of artists out there that get their panties in a bunch because the big box stores that sell like the cheap artwork yeah. stuff, you know, the prints, the reproductions or whatever it is. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, why are you taking them as a comparison of what it is that you do, because those places are for people that maybe are not educated in buying art from actual artists, but they want artwork on their wall, which is fantastic because that right there is the gateway drug to becoming a collector of real art. This is true. Because then you have all these fake pieces on your wall that are basically just placeholders for the next artist that they meet 
that really, really leaves an impression on them. And that's one of the biggest things. When you're putting your stuff out there, if you're discouraged because you're not selling art, then you're unapproachable. Absolutely. And, and that is all part of that marketing thing. Like you have to be having fun. Your excitement is what sells the art. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are having a miserable time, that is not the energy that you want to be putting out there. Right. Because really it's I if I had to if I had to crystallize this kind of marketing into right. two words, I would say it's mutual excitement. Yes. Mutual that, excitement. That's brilliant. I'm going to write that down so I can put it in a book. Great. The next tip you have on your list is expand your market. Always be thinking about the future but enjoying the present. And I think that this has a lot to do with keeping the excitement levels yeah. up. Yeah. Always be expanding. Always be thinking about new things that you would enjoy. Not I, new things that you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Not not the, uh, you know, as an artist, I should be doing this or like that marketing program said that I should be doing this. I think it's all about pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. One of, one of the things that I had written in the survival guide was that I am always trying to level up mm -hmm. because I know that if I get bored, if I plateau, if like I'm doing really, really well – and then I go into sameness and I just keep doing the stuff that I know works, but I'm not pushing myself to get to another level. Um, things become stagnant very, very quickly. Yeah, they do. Do you know how I knew for sure, for sure it was time for me to level up as far as what I was doing? I looked at my social media, which I'm not that great at posting to, but I realized that for several weeks in a row – I had almost identical postings on Saturday. I'm at the market and it's beautiful. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but if that's all you have to say for weeks on end, maybe change it up a little. Yeah. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's the thing. It's it's so funny because as artists, as humans, right, we want to have that sense of security. Now, when you're an artist – there really is no sense of security other than the sense of security that you bring within yourself, mm -hmm. right? It's not like when you have a job. We get these false senses of security when we go out and we have a job somewhere because you have a check that's coming every Friday and you're basically – that's your sense of security right there. You don't think about the fact that they could fire you in a heartbeat, that there might be a pandemic, that something is going to happen. You just know that like, you know what, I'm responsible and I have a check that comes in every Friday. As artists, our income is very sporadic, mm -hmm. right? And it's very much based on what we create and what we do with it, how we put ourselves out there and how many people find us that are interested in what we have to do. And so like it's something that is not as you can't just write down a schedule for it. You have to constantly be innovating and moving forward and growing. Yes. I know this is going to sound counterintuitive and counterproductive, but I've always been my most successful in any endeavor I've done when I didn't give a crap if I sold any jewelry. Exactly. It sounds counterproductive, but it removes that desperation factor. And the desperation factor is what shines through when when you go somewhere and you're like, I'm going to have fun. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I need to sell. I need to sell this thing. I need to sell this thing. What actually starts to come up to the surface is that insecurity and that desperation. Yeah. And you cannot trick yourself here. Listen, we've all tried to trick ourselves. I'm here because I'm having fun. No, you're not. And you know it. You can't trick yourself and you can't trick other people's. I've done countless field studies, if you want to call them that, out at shows where I've assessed my own uh, energy that I'm putting out. I've assessed my own mood and I've determined either A, this is really good. I'm having a great time. I don't care if anyone buys my stuff. This is awesome. I'm having fun. And on the flip side, I really shouldn't be here today because I'm kind of grouchy. And the only reason I came was to try to sell some jewelry. Yeah, I pretty much understood when I was done with mm -hmm. something, when I would stop and just look around and think to myself, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> and that right there was like an indicator that like, oh, okay, something needs to change. Absolutely. So your next tip was actually don't be desperate. Don't try to trick people. It shines through. That is really, really important. And it's something that's really difficult to express, to, to get across. 
because like, you know, listen, we, we all deal with money issues. You know, I mean, you and I are very familiar with money issues. Mm-hmm. We are artists who started this career without a nest egg, uh, without a job, without anything and decided that we were going to push through and keep pushing until we made it into a career. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that was our way of doing it. I'm not saying that that's the correct way of doing it, but we went through some really financial hard times and not like, oh, we went through like a week or, or a month of financial hard times. We went through years of financial struggles that we could have easily just gotten rid of had one of us went and gotten a job, but we refused to do that because we decided that we were going to stick with this. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like when things don't look like they're going to pan out. I know what it's like when things look very desperate. I know what it's like when you are thinking to yourself, there's no way, how stupid am I for trying to do this thing? Mm-hmm. And so that, that because of that, it's almost like you put all your eggs in one basket. You go out to one show and you're like, this show, I need to sell this. Or if I do this online thing, I need to be able to sell this. Yeah. And it's that desperation, that desperation that does really come through and it bites you in the ass every single time. It does. And look, if you've been there, I've been there too. You've been there. We've all been in that place where it would really be great if I could sell some stuff today. Yeah. Um, But you got to get yourself out of that headspace because it just doesn't help you. Thing is that when we get desperate, we go into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so when you go into fight or flight, your brain is prepared to run or fight. It is not prepared to figure out a solution. You're not, your eyes are not open to the solutions that might be available to you, to the opportunities that might be available to you. And so like I found that when I'm in that desperate space, even if I come up with an idea like, okay, well, I'm going to do this sale online because we blah, 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 or I'm going to, I'm going to invite people and we're going to do an open studio and stuff. Um, it just, anything that comes up in my brain at that point in time, because I'm doing it out of this desperate mode. Uh, just turns out to be a big pile of crap. Usually, yeah. And li- listen, I think other humans can smell it a mile away yeah. too. I literally had been at shows where I was like a human repellent yes. because I wasn't in a good headspace. Oh, me too. You got to be relaxed and having a good time. It's funny too because it's almost like it's almost like uh when you stop and you're you're standing there and you're like what is going on and you see people walking by and you see them all like going into everybody else's booth and stuff like that and then they just kind of like walk by and they don't enter your booth even though they just went into everyone's booth mm-hmm. and and at that point that's when you realize like oh it's me it's me. It's I'm being me. a human repellent. Yeah. yeah, I might as well have a force field around my canopy right now. I've actually <laughs> said that because we've all been there. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, I I like to think that the majority of the times that I was out doing shows and f- or anything, any way that I put myself out there, I was having a good time. Yeah. But we've all had those moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. can be and, for and any I, number of reasons. And I will still have those moments. I mean, it, it's not, it, it, these things don't go away. I think if you don't want to do something, it's for one of two reasons. You're actually afraid. It's not that you don't want to, right. but you have to face the fear. Or you genuinely don't want to. Yes. And if you genuinely don't want to do something, then don't sh- do it. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing it. A really surefire way of knowing that it's something that you're just afraid to do is if you're like, oh, I, I don't want to do that. And then a month later, it pops up again. Mm-hmm. And then it pops up again and it keeps popping up. Then at that point, you know that you're going to have to do this thing because uh, it's there. It's, you're thinking about it. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about it, really, chances are you're just avoiding it because you're scared. Yeah. I mean, I'm facing one right now with all the plethora of things that we've done uh, and are doing. Uh, we've never done a social media live sale. Oh, yeah. And when you brought up the idea that we should probably try that out because it could be a good time. And we do live streams and live podcasts and we do this and we have the channel and we're on social media. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, it's just simply because I didn't want the the emotional pressure 
of that type of event because it's unfamiliar to me. But actually, the truth is, it's kind of exciting in a scary way. And I've agreed to do it because I know that it scares me a little and because I know there's going to be a crap ton of laughing and having a good time. I really do think that we should all do something that scares us at least once a week. That That is, you know, something that pushes you outside of your comfort zone. Recently, we talked to one of our rogue uh, artists on Patreon. Uh, we had a Zoom meeting with her and she was talking about doing something scary every year on her birthday, something mm-hmm. that really, really terrified her. Way outside the comfort zone. Way outside of the comfort zone. And I thought that that was amazing because I think one of the reasons that a lot of artists get stuck and stagnant is because they don't push outside of their comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. as soon as a fear comes up, you know, they, they don't push at it. And basically what ends up happening when you don't push at a fear and you don't show yourself that you are capable, you, the reason you don't push yourself out of that fear is because what you've done is convinced yourself that you're incapable. And there's nothing more discouraging than that. That's true. And it also leads to stagnation and this feeling of like, what am I even doing? Why even bother? And I recently wrote a little piece on just that, that versus living and, yep. and facing fears. And you guys see, this is marketing right now. Okay. This is an example of marketing. Clee mentioned that blog and the blog is on our website. So go to our website and read it. And see, this is no strings attached marketing, and it wasn't even on purpose. It is just, there's this amazing blog that Clee wrote. Go to our website, read it, no strings attached. You don't have to sign up for anything. But while you're at our website, maybe you'll look around and you'll see some stuff that you like. Or at the very least, you might like that little blog piece. Yeah. That's hilarious to me that that was marketing that is marketing and it's funny it's just identifying those different things that's true and and taking taking the stink out of marketing mm-hmm. i hate that i i could not find and i'm still looking for the book i i'm trying to find a different word for marketing because marketing has so much stigma attached to it that i want to call it something else it'd be great to replace that word <laughs> Um, okay, so we're already kind of talking about this, but your next thing was get social in person and online and accept credit cards. Yes. For the love of Pete, accept credit cards. Oh, I cannot tell you how many artists, even today. I, I remember when we first got the Square Reader, right, which is what we used when we did shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I We were a little bit hesitant, but it was like, all right, well, let's do this thing. Like, I'm afraid to do this, basically yes. what was going on. And then we did it, and that was a game changer. Oh, my god. That gosh. was a complete game changer. I was able to sell five $600 pieces at a market because nobody is carrying around cash like that with them. Yes, and you know what usually happens when someone's interested in a $600 piece of art and you have to send them to an ATM machine to withdraw cash for it? Yeah. You never see them again. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that that had happened to us maybe twice, mm-hmm. and then at that point we got the square reader. And I, the reason that I say online and offline is get a credit card reader, so if you're doing any shows or you're meeting somebody in a parking lot and they're buying some artwork or something like that, people are not generally carrying amounts of cash on them that are going to be able to pay for the more expensive pieces and – Accept credit cards online. Yes. Make sure that you accept credit cards online and make sure that you accept credit cards in person. Because if you are not, then you are missing out on a huge opportunity. Yes, you are. And listen, the processing fees are nominal. And before you yell at us through whatever device you're listening to about the processing fees, they're nominal. And it's it's way worth it. And if your prices cannot accommodate a small percentage of processing fees, then look at your prices yeah. and adjust accordingly. Exactly. The fact of the matter is that that sale would not happen. I would not expand my reach. I would not now have artwork hanging on people's walls where other people are seeing the artwork and then interested in buying something from me. I would not have those opportunities. So that processing fee to me... That is a marketing fee. I am fine with that. That is, And that is the very tiny little fee. Yes, it is. And you know what else? There's another benefit there. You process a payment via credit card. Uh, if you're using a processing system like Square, 
Square follows up with your customer. How yep. was your shopping experience? Yep. Uh, you do a cash transaction. That's fine. They walk away. Maybe they take your business card. Done and done. Maybe they keep in touch with you. Maybe you get them on an email list. Uh, Square actually follows up. They can rate their purchase. They can put their email address on file. They can sign up for future updates with you. You can look and see what they've bought from you in the past so that you're not oblivious when they contact you again. <laughs> exactly. And when, and when you're doing it online, if you're able to accept credit cards, if you're able to accept purchases on your website, then you get access to all that information as well. And that way you could follow up with the customer. We have a plugin on our website that will actually automatically send them a, a review request uh, two weeks after something gets to them. So like these are all important things because testimonials and stuff like that, that all fits into that whole uh, marketing uh, way of doing things. But it's so true. Like you want to have feedback. You want to build these relationships. You want to be able to follow up because it is all about the relationship. It is not just one and done. It's true. I think you're hitting on two things here actually is make it easy for your customers or yes. your potential customers. Don't make them walk to an ATM. Don't make them jump through hoops to find your website or to find your stuff. Make it as easy as humanly possible. And it's not one and done. It's establishing a relationship. If you're looking to do one and done with customers, you're just making more work for yourself. Then that's it. It's just that one person. You're going to have to go out and scavenge for people every single time you want to sell something. Mm -hmm. It's all about the relationship, especially when we're dealing with art and jewelry. People are very loyal when it comes to these purchases because these are not necessary purchases, no. but they are necessary to the person who is purchasing it. It means that the artwork or whatever it is meant something to them that was so powerful that they wanted to buy it. They wanted to own it. They wanted to look at it. They wanted to wear it, whatever it is. And so that is the beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm. If you do not follow up or you don't care or you're just looking at them like big wallets with legs, then you've lost the opportunity of building something that is very beautiful and profitable. Yeah. All right. So our next tip is express art in words and put it out there, but don't follow the snobs. Yeah. So the one thing that I know that a lot of people struggle with is describing their art or talking about their art. And I think that they get really tied up in uh, trying to get it perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Like talking about art or talking about your jewelry or talking about whatever it is um, that they could get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And what I want to express here is to just get really comfortable writing stuff that sounds like you. Whatever it is, whatever it is that inspired you to create something, whether it was, you know, I saw this green lizard walking down the street and I wanted to do a lizard. Like it doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be snobbish. It doesn't have to be full of like these big complicated words that they love using in the art world. It just has to be genuine and it has to be you. And, and what I would love is for more people to write a little bit more about what they're feeling about the art, no matter what it is, and put more blogs out there and, and stuff like that and, and just get comfortable with writing. I think that's mutually beneficial too, because not only are you then getting comfortable expressing those ideas to people, but it also helps you understand how you work, how your mind works. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of artists avoid doing that because it's almost like the writing, the, the writing in of itself is the same thing. It's like a second tier of putting your artwork out there mm -hmm. because the first Part of it is the fear of putting your art out there and then you get over that and now you're going to be asked to talk about it. That's terrifying because what if you get it wrong? What if what if people don't agree with you? And the fact of the matter is some people won't agree with you, but you can't get it wrong because it's your art. Yeah. It's hilarious to me, and I think most of us are better at it than we think. Uh, we got a question once on the YouTube channel. This woman was like, I don't know how to talk about my art. I don't know how to explain to people the fact that I create from my subconscious. And then she basically went on to explain her art in a beautifully concise manner. Yep. And I was like, you just talked about your art in this question yeah. in a beautifully concise way. Next question. More of that, next, please. Next, yeah, more of that. Next question. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think we're better at it than we give ourselves credit for. And, and I think it can only help us to talk about our art, to write more about our art. I mean, I think, I think we are way better at a lot of things like that. One, one thing that a lot of artists disconnect from is the fact that they are innovative, divergent thinkers, right? No matter what, even if they are a technical artist or they are whatever it is, they are thinking outside of the box. They're looking at the world in color or in form or in patterns, patterns, shapes, or whatever. And so like, if you stop and you look at writing as another creative endeavor, or you look at marketing as just another creative endeavor, instead of telling yourself over and over, I'm not good at marketing. I'm not good at business. I'm not good at writing. Like, Stop telling that story, stop telling that narrative, and understand that everything that you do is creative. Mm-hmm. Everything is creative. And that includes marketing, writing, uh, dancing, singing, whatever it is that you want to do, it is all creative. And yes, you can do it. Yes. Which leads me to number eight you have here, which is don't do what everyone else is doing. And if you do, make it yours. Don't do the cookie cutter marketing programs. Yeah. So one of my biggest pet peeves is that a lot of the marketing programs that are being marketed towards artists are using a lot of the old traditional or the newer digital marketing techniques that they use on regular products. And, you know, they tweak them a little bit so that they work for artists and stuff, but it's still very, um, it's, it's what I love to call a gilded cage. Right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you as an artist who are completely divergent, you have to follow a path in order to get to this goal that you want. And the problem is that in order to follow that path, you may have to conform to get there. That goes against everything that I believe that an artist is. Mm -hmm. An artist is someone who blazes their own trail and sees the world in their own way. And yet a lot of these programs want you to follow the same thing that everyone else is doing. It's like, it's like a a series of robots, right? These artistic robots that are all out there doing the same exact kind of marketing and basically entering into what I would consider a competitive market. When art is not competitive, there's nothing competitive about art because every single work of art that is created by every single human out there is absolutely and completely unique and cannot compare to any other art. It's true. It's so true. A one person, one piece of art is going to belong to one person or one family, whoever that person is who sees that piece of art and resonates with it in such a strong way. I look at it as like, I, that piece of art is waiting for that one person. Yeah. And, and they're going to find it. And the thing is that when you're selling art, you want to put out, put it out there so that people find it. So that that one person can find it. Yeah. But if you are doing, uh, product marketing, product marketing is a whole other ball game and it ends up, that's fine. You're the, the only, exposure that you're getting or the only benefit really that you're getting from product marketing and all the money that you're pouring into product marketing is that maybe it's pushing you outside of your comfort zone to actually put yourself out there in different ways. But the way that you're going about it is very conforming. And so like, whereas you could just put your stuff out there and still get the same benefits because that one person that saw the art is going to find it versus having to maybe build a niche or having to uh, put out this kind of information or only creating this kind of artwork and sharing it on your website. Like there are so many things that they try to uh, pigeonhole an artist into and like artists just can't be pigeonholed. No, it's we're, true. We're creative creatures. We, we, we diversify our, our portfolios all the time. 
And it's, that's, that's basically, that's, so that's my thing. It's like, if there's something that works for you, then by all means do it. If you want to pay for ads on uh, Facebook, because you do have at least one of the series of artworks that you create is maybe pet portraits or something like that. And that's easily a targeted market. You could target pet owners and, and different businesses and things like that. Absolutely do that. Absolutely do that, but don't make that the only thing that you do because that's the problem with a lot of these artist marketing courses is that they rely on just that one thing. There's this uh, counterculture marketing thing happening on social media now where they're like, everyone knows that the niche marketing thing doesn't work and it's a money pit and a time sucker and it's exhausting. And so there's this whole other realm of like, it's still kind of niche marketing of um you have to get in with influencers. Yeah. It's kind of the new movement, yeah. which I still feel is a little disempowering. I mean, it's it's disempowering because then you will need to jump through hoops in order to get an influencer. You're still paying out the ass in order to get an influencer. And why does this influencer care? Mm-hmm. You're basically going through somebody – who is popular in order to try to get your work out there. Will that work? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, why go through the rigmarole of trying to get that done? It's the same thing as celebrity. Now it's influencers before it was celebrity. Celebrity endorsements. Yeah, Yeah. Celebrity endorsements. And the thing is, I would much rather have a celebrity buy my art and love my art and hang it up on their wall. No matter who they are. And then maybe talk about it. Then me approach them and try to get a celebrity endorsement. Yeah. Same. Like that, that, that's where, you know, and I've got a lot of very wealthy collectors from around the world that have found my stuff, not because of celebrity endorsements, not because of paid ads or not because of any of that stuff because i don't do any of that stuff because your stuff was in enough places that they were they were able to discover you yeah they saw it and they were like holy shit i like that because that's a human just like the other humans exactly know about your artwork so number nine is build your own tribe quit trying to find them yes that's put your stuff out there your peeps will find you. The people that love what you create. A lot of people are like, what kind of art should I create? And I'm like, create what you love. Because if you create what you love and you put it out there, then the people that love things that are similar to you will find your work and then you'll slowly build your own tribe. Yep. It's not about going out there where the collectors are and and, and, and going and, and brown nosing or kissing some butt in order to get somebody to notice you. It is about putting your stuff out there that you love creating so that your people could find you. Because if you're creating stuff and the stuff that you actually love, I've seen so many artists do this because they're like, well, that kind of stuff doesn't sell. And they say it doesn't sell. But of course it doesn't sell because if you do take it out to a show, you keep it underneath the table or you leave it under your bed the entire time and you never show it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I've seen artists do that. Well, this kind of art sells really well. It's popular. It's stuff that people like. Uh, it, it fits in with the tourist theme. But my darker pieces, you know, I don't really sell those. And then I'll go in there. I'm like, well, where are they? And they've got them in a bin somewhere where nobody could see them. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing. Just put the stuff out there that you love creating and your people will find you. Think of, think of the, the shit that's out there that, that's really popular that people love and, and the, how many different types of things are out there that maybe you're like, I don't, I don't really dig that. There's tons of stuff that I don't really dig. Yeah. And then there's tons of people out there that love those things that you don't dig. That's because those are the people that put stuff out there that they love and then their people find them. So quit being ashamed of your art. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Create what you love and stop being ashamed of it. That goes hand in hand with the last one, which is persist through the bullshit. Right. Persist through the bullshit. So the bullshit is going to come from your brain. The bullshit is going to come from your family members. The bullshit is going to come from the internet. The bullshit is going to come from everyone, uh, including yourself, obviously, because it's coming from your brain that is going to tell you this is taking too long. There's no way. 
you're losing money. You're so stupid. Uh, why are you doing this? This is a stupid choice. Go get a real job. Blah, 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 blah. You don't know anything about marketing. Basically, all of that stuff is what I call the bullshit. And ba- you need to persist through the bullshit and understand that it takes time to build something up. Yes, it does. I don't know how strongly we could possibly emphasize <laughs> persist through the bull garbage, as I like to call it. Uh, and that the bullshit might even just be things aren't happening as quickly. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many times people have now said that's easy for you to say, Rafi and Klee. Right. Uh, and all I can think is like, dudes, for 10 years, like we've been at this for 10 we, years. We've been at this for 10 years. So like when, and the thing is that they see us where we are now and they don't realize that for the first five years, if we did a live event online, no one showed – I mean zero people, you guys. Zero people and we did them anyway. We just kept doing them. Yes. Any any uh, shows that we were like, hey, maybe people could show up to our house and we could do an open studio and then we were just sitting there twiddling our thumbs. With cookies. With cookies. Like anything that you do is is – it's going to take time. Even if you're really excited about it and you get two or three other people excited about it and those two or three people show up to your studio event uh, and you're there and you're excited with them, in my mind, that's a victory. That is a victory. And you show up and, and you have fun and you make the most of the situation and then you look at what you did, you look at how it went down, you think of different ways of being able to do it. Basically, everything that you do out there when it comes to your career it's going to take time and the way that i love to look at it is everything is the opportunity to do a social experiment Mm -hmm. right so the social experiment is putting your stuff out there communicating things letting people know what's going on letting people know who you are what you create what you're about and putting it out there and then running the the test so if you have an event and you, you know, you put your stuff out there and no one shows up. That's just a social experiment for you. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what could I do different next time to, to get people to show up? You know, did I put this out there enough? Did I do enough? Did I this? Cause that was our thing back in the day. Everything that we were doing was an experiment and then just led to the next one. But if you are only chasing the money, when you don't make it, it will discourage you and cause you to want to quit. And I get that because a lot of us have to justify things to other people and other people, especially when other people have regular jobs and, and, you know, they're working this job that they hate and they're making money. Uh, they look at you and they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, why don't you just go get a real job? Mm-hmm. And a lot of things are in financial terms in that world. Yeah. Well, is it lucrative? Is it lucrative? You know, how do, you know, how do you do? And it, it, for us in the beginning, a lot of people were like, well, really? So your artist is that, is that lucrative? And you'd be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes not. <laughs> sometimes not. Sometimes it's lucrative. Sometimes it's not. But I mean, the thing was, we just stuck with it. And the reason that I say persist through the bullshit is that a lot of bullshit is going to come up. A lot of bullshit is going to come up and it might happen for two years. Three years, four years, five years. And the question you have to ask yourself is, are you ready, punk? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, the question you have to ask yourself is, am I willing to stick with this for as long as it takes? Because if I'm giving myself ultimatums and I'm like, it's going to take a year or it's going to take two years, um, then you've already failed. And I hate saying that because if you're giving yourself the ultimatum, it means that then when the two-year mark hits, you're going to stop. And if you stop, then you quit. And if you quit, that's the only way that you can fail. Yeah, it's true. And listen, the bullshit will always be there, just like laundry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> laundry is always um, there. I don't think you ever get to a bullshit-free zone with any career. 
or any creative career. I, I, I was, as you were talking, I was listening and thinking about your whole calendars. Like every year you do these Rafi calendars, right. you're doing them right now. And like the first few years that you did them, like I remember you, you were like, I'm offering seven different calendars to choose from. Oh yeah. And like you sold some, but I think you ended up losing money. Oh yeah. I lost a lot of money. On the first year I did calendars, I lost I lost money. And yes. then you learned things and then the next year was a little better and then maybe you lost less money and then the next year you like broke even but you didn't factor in shipping costs and so like then the next year it was a little better and better and better and like the calendars are not like lucrative. No. But you love them. I love doing the calendars and the fact of the matter is that like for the holidays, for artists, typically for painters, uh, things slow down a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Because art is very personal. It is a very personal gift. So like, yes, I sell uh, a lot of my textured prints mm -hmm. for for the holidays, but I wanted to be able to offer something to people that would hang in their house year round. And, you know, for the last few years, I've been doing these calendars and the first year, like you said... I lost money yeah. on the calendar. And so then I learned and I tweaked things up. And then the second year, I did break even the second year, you know, and I was like, okay, well, that's a win because at least I didn't <laughs> lose money. Yeah. And then the third year, uh, I made a little bit more of a profit. It was, it was pretty good. And then the fourth year, I made even more of a profit. Um, I, I think I actually lost money on one endeavor there because I did something different. I was experimenting with something new. So mm -hmm. I lost a little money, but I made money. So I recovered that money. And then this year I'm trying something new. I'm, I'm designing each page of the calendar. I gave myself a month to do the pre-orders. Do I know whether or not this is going to pay off financially? I have no idea. According to my, my, my analysis and my numbers, Yes, it will pay off financially. Will I break the bank? Nope. I'm not going to break the bank. I'm not going to be making million. I'm not going to be rolling in dough or anything like that. But I'm going to make a profit and I'm going to have this amazing calendar that I created that I could look back at and say for the for 2021, this is the thing that I created. Mm -hmm. And and I that's what it's all about for me. It's about the stuff that I'm putting out there because I don't have that much time left on this planet and I want to be able to create stuff and share it with people as much as I possibly can. And whether it is one person that shows up or two people or a hundred, it doesn't matter to me as long as I am sharing it out there. Now, obviously I want to not lose money when I'm doing stuff. Yeah. And you want it to grow year after year. But if you had just looked at years one and two as a measure of the success of the calendar and, and said like, Oh, well, this isn't worth it. Then it, you would have stopped. Right. And, and then, uh, man, I love it when people write into us and like, I love my calendar. I love all the silly holidays that are on there. It makes me happy every I have, time I look at it. I, every year I have more and more people buying the calendar because last year's people will buy the calendar and then new people buy the calendar. And that's the thing. Had I, had I been just looking at it as a financial thing, it would have made sense to stop. It would have made sense to stop. And I see so many creatives base their creativity on following the financial structure. If it doesn't work financially, there's no reason to do it. Not understanding that those, that money that you lost, that was an investment into your future as a creative. Mm hmm. And, and that's where, that's where a lot of people, man, because they go into that desperation place, I lose them there. And yeah. that's where they look at me and they're like, well, that's easy for you to say. It's like, listen, I'm not rolling in dough. No. We're getting by, especially with the stuff that's going on with the pandemic and everything. Like things, their money is not raining down from the sky. And we have to stop and evaluate and take a look at, okay, Am I doing this because uh, I desperately need to make money? Is my smart part of my brain, the one that's innovative and, and thinks outside of the box, is that part of my brain suffering right now because I'm desperately trying to make money? And even now, 10 years later, I don't, I don't want security. I want innovation. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. 
I want to not count on the fact that there is security and money coming in for me not to freak out. I want just me not to freak out when it comes to money and be able to keep my brain exactly where I want it to be and think innovatively and think awesomely in the future. And that's the challenge. That's that's the part that's really hard to convey. Yeah, it is because uh, we think we want security. I definitely think that I want security even still. Uh, but I know that I really feel alive when I'm thinking in the moment yeah. and excited about something and being innovative. Yeah. It's not the security that gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, you know, and the thing is that truthfully, whether or not you have a job or you don't have a job or you have this income coming in, nothing is guaranteed. No. Nothing is guaranteed. So like, as far as like there being a sense of security, I really nothing is guaranteed. And if you have a lot of stuff and you have to pay a lot of money because you have a lot of stuff and you want to get into this career, what I suggest is you reevaluate all the stuff that you have and get rid of some stuff and get your monthly bills down. To make it a little easier for yourself exactly. to, through the adjustment. Get your monthly bills down so that you could work through the suck. Mm -hmm. That's 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 when it comes to finances, that is one of my main things of advice. Get your monthly bills down, sell whatever it is that you need to sell. Reduce the financial pressure as much as possible while maintaining some semblance of quality of life. Exactly. Exactly. So you could get through the suck. That's what we had to do. We for us, it was extreme. It was extreme. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. We know artists on all different ends of that spectrum of uh, we've completely changed everything or we've made these small adjustments or yeah. um, doing this and it's touch and go every day, wherever you're at. Uh, just try to make it as easy on yourself as you can. Yep. Well, I guess it works out that we ended uh, getting off subject and talking a little bit about money because, hey, you guys, I'm also writing a book on money. Originally, the marketing and money book were supposed to be one book, but there, it was, it was going to be too big. So on Indiegogo, now I've got the rogue marketing book and I've got the rogue money book, the yeah. rogue money mentality, which you can pre-order. By the way, that's marketing as well. You could pre-order if you'd be interested in pre-ordering that. And I think that this podcast has run a little bit long. So mm. we should uh, probably say goodbye to everyone. All right. We'll sign off. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing. And I totally adore you. And if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, just click somewhere around here to subscribe. And that's it. You want to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios. Adios.